You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. Well, today makes uh, sermon number three out of five of Who's Your One? And today we're going to talk about the importance of one, the importance of one. You can open your Bibles or you can follow, uh, follow on the screen as always, John chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 13. You know, we're prone to think of one as being insignificant, aren't we? Now think about that. Who wants just one cookie? Lay's potato chips. I mean, who can eat just one? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? No one. What is the value of one dollar? Or, worse yet, one penny? Or if you have a favorite sports team, one point? But the Bible consistently speaks of one. One pearl of great price. One wayward son. One lost sheep. Disciples of Jesus often overlook the value of one. Now hear this. One invitation to church. One message of hope. One neighbor. One co-worker. One friend. Can you name one person who has come to Christ through your invite and your witness? Just one. The new song you heard this morning, many of you have heard it on the radio. I'd ask for that to be sung today. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He can change your life. Amen? More importantly, He can change your eternal destiny. And this is what this series is all about. Can I just, to be honest today, every Sunday, but especially during this series, what we're talking about is the difference in life and death. Well, the gospel makes all of this possible. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is the power of God for salvation. Paul, in the same passage, said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Now, there are a lot of things in my life that I'm not proud of. One thing I am proud of is Jesus. He has never, ever let me down one time. I am not ashamed to be called his follower, and I'm not ashamed of the Bible because in it is the message of salvation. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel Because he understood what it was. What is it? The gospel is the good news of salvation. It is the information through which the Holy Spirit leads people to pass from death to life. It's either life. Listen, that's what the gospel is. It's all about life. And it releases God's dynamic power of salvation. Now, there are six basic Greek words in the New Testament 
that are translated power. And the word found in Romans 1.16 is the Greek word dunamis, which means dynamite. Dynamite. This is where we get that word in the Greek. The gospel is dynamite. I have been asked before why I felt I had the right to push my beliefs upon other people. Well, you know, the prevailing thought in the world today is that religion is a private decision. People say things like, you believe what you want to, and I believe what I want to, as if it was just believing that saves you. But listen to this. The truth is that it's not just believing, but what you believe in that brings salvation. You see, many Christians today, they shrink back from sharing their faith. You know why? Because maybe someone makes fun of them in sharing it. I talk to people every week. I try to share Christ in my work, and they just make fun of me. I do. The Bible says that we need to be strong and we need to be courageous. Look at this next passage in John chapter 1. It says, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Then look at Matthew chapter 13. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, I want to ask all of you this morning. Actually, I'll use two more words. I beg of you. I plead of you. To do three things as we continue our series. First is commit to being an intentional witness. Now this will not just happen. It will require intentionality on your part. And you know what? It will re require accountability for you to stick to your commitment. You will need to have partners who join you in the mission. You also need maturity as a disciple maker in order to persevere in the mission and point others to the life-transforming hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, those who accept, accept Christ's identity will also embrace this important mission, sharing Jesus with others. So you ask, Pastor Al, what are the practical steps to becoming an intentional witness. Well, in your handout this morning, there in the bulletin, we gave you some things. First, you must find your one. You must find your one. There are many right around you. As I said earlier, family, co-workers, and friends, even a waiter or waitress, the list is almost endless. And since this list is endless, pray for the Holy Spirit to reveal to you who should be at the top of that list. I was out at breakfast this morning. I was up at like five, couldn't sleep. My wife began to snore. <laughs> I used to do that all my life. Now she's paying me back. So I was going to my favorite breakfast place, Lulu's, at six, but they didn't open to seven. 
But as I was in that restaurant, because I know most all the waitresses there, I actually began to pray for a certain waitress. You understand, it's just one. We're only talking about one. But I was, like I said, I had two people that I got down and will turn in today. But one of them I had the privilege to lead to Jesus already this week. But see, we have to be intentional about it. It's like we always got to have a campaign. We always got to do something to remind us of what we should be doing in the first place. So you have to be able to understand that you need to get God to reveal that one to you. Next, you need to serve your one. Not just find them, you need to serve them. Spend time with them. Take them out for coffee. Send them a text asking how to pray for them. Drop them a gift card. And any time the Lord puts your one on your heart, pray for them. And finally, don't fail to simply start the conversation. Now, here are some easy conversation starters that, starters that the Holy Spirit can use. And again, these are coming right out of the insert in your bulletin. How can I pray for you? Do you have a church home? Did you grow up in church? How's your day going? Can I share my story with you? Remember the importance of relating to your one struggle as they share. Then let them know Jesus was your only hope in your time of struggle. So first, commit to being an intentional witness. Second, go and tell. Now let me give you a few ways to do this. Each disciple, Christ follower, Christian, church member, invites one unchurched, unsaved person. Invite them to breakfast, invite them to lunch, or invite them to supper. This month, share your testimony and tell the gospel story. I'm telling you, the simplest way to do this is this. And some of you have some incredible stories. Some of you grew up in church and you never did anything bad. We always think that the greatest testimonies is I grew up, I was lost, I killed three people, I snorted cocaine. Y'all understand? Then I got my life right. Those are some phenomenal testimonies, but hear me. What was my life like before I met Christ. Now, I came to know the Lord at 10, so I wasn't in jail that much. Never got drunk. You understand what I'm saying? But I have a story. Some of you have some incredible stories. But what was my life before I met Christ? Then second, how did I meet Christ? Hmm. If you don't remember that, then maybe you need to come today and accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And then thirdly, what has my life been like since I met Christ? Because if you can't answer those questions, then you have a real problem. Then two, invite one family member or one family, maybe in your neighborhood, to your home. And choose one of your family members to tell his or her story. Of coming to Christ. Then, maybe invite one unchurched, unsaved person to attend church with you. Wow, isn't that hard? Invite an unsaved, unchurched person to attend church with you. You know, Andrew invited Peter to come meet Jesus. And he got saved. Here's your challenge. It's real simple. Each one, bring one. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says this, You yourselves are our letter. 
written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you're a Christ letter delivered by us, not written with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And here's your third point. And this is what I want to talk about mostly. Recognize and repent of excuses. Recognize and repent of excuses. The first one is spiritual lethargy. Spiritual lethargy. This takes place when we fail to obey. A lack of growth inevitably leads to a diminished desire to share Christ with others. Remember or recall your first love and what it felt like when your introduction to Jesus was new and fresh. You've heard me say many times our problem is a lot of people have gotten over the fact of getting saved. Did you realize where you were headed? Listen, if it is lacking, pray for God to restore to you the joy of your salvation as King David did. Secondly, Growing inclusiveness. You see, all religions lead to God, right? Is a prevailing opinion. Sometimes this view affirms Jesus is not only the way to salvation, but he can be found in other good religions. It's a subtle belief that somehow good followers will make it to heaven outside a true Christian conversion. There are going to be a lot of good people. You understand? They go to hell because they're lost. Remember that all other religions are based on teachings and creeds laid down by men. Let me tell you what our faith is. Our faith is written in the blood of Jesus and our religion, if you can call it that, is based on Jesus himself. Our faith is not just about being good because the Bible clearly states there is not anyone good, not one. We can only be found righteous because of the righteousness of Christ. So this exclusiveness of Jesus and his blood is not a bug. It is a feature and separates Christianity from all other beliefs. Thirdly, we need to recognize and repent from the disbelief in hell. Disbelief in hell. This undermines the urgency of placing one's faith in Christ alone. One must escape the wrath of God, and Jesus is the only refuge. It is a sad subject, but it is the truth, as Jesus himself has said on numerous occasions. Don't avoid this subject simply because it is uncomfortable. Ask God for boldness and courage in telling people of their imminent destination if they don't believe. And here's the big one. Number four, busyness. Busyness. The unchurched needs us to tell them about Jesus. And you know what? This needs to be on our to-do list. Let me ask you a question. What priority... Do you give to reaching the lost? Are you even making it a priority for this series and finding your one? The truth is we find time to do the things we find important and meaningful. 
Amen? We do. Perhaps it is time for a heart check prayer about what you find most pressing as well as the things you find easy to procrastinate on. We need to recognize and repent also of fear and rejection. Fear of rejection. Research shows that, now listen to this. Research shows that only one in four unchurched people are resistant to faith discussion. In other words, 75% are open. The few with an antagonistic attitude are not rejecting you personally. Their anger is merely a reflection of something in their past. And even if the conversation ended in rejection, it would not be a rejection of you. Listen, you are simply an ambassador of Jesus, a person with a mission to share the gospel. Of course, no one, no one likes this kind of negative experience, but by no means... Let this fear dominate you so that you fail to share with your one. You need to understand that ultimate success does not depend on you, but on the working and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Number six, we need to recognize and repent of a desire to be tolerant. The gospel is, in some sense, intolerant. The one true God insists there can be no other gods. He is a jealous God. The Christian message speaks of a narrow way and no other name under heaven. Listen, and the Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You see, being tolerant is the world's thin replacement for real love. Jesus' example of love to us was to empty himself completely. And we should be ready to do the same. See, it's not about the least we can do, but the most that God is able to do. Like I said, it's not about our ability, it's about our availability. And he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ask, we could think, or even imagine. We have a church full of us today that needs to repent of this next one. You know what it is? It's losing the habit of witnessing. That's what it is. For many reasons, you may have quit witnessing. Witnessing is a discipline. And it can be regained, just like anything worthwhile. Practice only makes perfect. Practice, listen, it not only makes perfect, practice makes permanent. If you stop going to the gym and lifting weights for months, then try to walk in and lift 300 pounds, you will fail, and it is a virtual certainty. But if you're going weekly, you will not only be able to lift that weight, you will likely increase your ability to lift greater weight. It is the same thing in sharing in general, but especially with sharing the gospel. The more you do it, the easier it will become. Number eight, 
a lack of accountability. When you have someone holding you accountable, it can increase your zeal for witness. This is similar to number one, spiritual lethargy. It is the disease that is cured by speaking and sharing, in this case, with your, not so much with your one, but with a fellow believer. Listen, and this must be intentional as well. Don't leave matters of faith and eternal life and eternal damnation to chance. If you make a God-honoring plan and stick to it, I can promise you that God will bless and honor it. Number nine, failure to invite. Let me ask you that again. When was the last time you invited an unchurched person to church? When? Have you offered to take someone to church or meet them? Just meet them here? It's such a simple gesture that can have a significant outcome. You see, many people are waiting just simply for someone to care about them. And this is one question that has a much lower threshold of rejection. Although our culture is less churched in general, it is still considered a socially acceptable invitation and should be simple and an effective way to further reach the, the reach of the gospel. Now, this last one is really convicting. We need to recognize and repent a church not intent on reaching the lost. Do you know it is said that it takes 85 church members to reach one person for Christ? Let that sit in. Let that sink in for a minute. 85 people to reach an unsaved person. That is a terrible ratio. Wouldn't you agree to that? Churches must regain their passion for the lost. See, we all work together, but there is one thing we can do so much better on. If you simply begin with those in your circle of influence, we can destroy, listen, we can destroy that terrible ratio, and make a fantastic impact on the kingdom of God. Now I'm about ready to close. We're going to do an invitation. I want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever lost your wallet or purse? Raise your hand. Pretty much everybody. How many of you have ever lost your keys? How many of you have ever lost your child for a little bit? Huh? You all know what I'm talking about? What did you do? What did you do? I don't need that wallet. I don't need those keys. Man, that child's already turned a teenager. I don't need that child anymore. They get on my nerves. Huh? Nobody. Nobody had to tell you what to do, did they? Can we just be honest? Let me go a little further. And I'm very sincere. If you were told that if you share Christ with just one person, that your favorite sports team 
would win the national championship, would you do it? Hmm? Or you were able to have the best seats at your favorite musical group concert, would you do it? You hear nothing else, you need to hear this. Lost people will go to hell forever. But saved people will go to heaven forever. Today, so many Christians have become complacent. And church attendance and sharing Christ just isn't a priority. You see, all of us make time to do what we love. Here's the question I have for all of you is this. How much do you love your Jesus? There are people that's not in here today. They may be home because there's always during COVID, there were people that were looking for just one more excuse not to attend church. I have people that I question their salvation because they ain't been here in God knows how long. Well, you know, you ain't got to come to church. Well, there's some stuff in the Bible about that. How you don't need to forsake the assembling of the saints. You know, I walked an aisle, I filled out a car, I got baptized, I got wet. That ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about someone that has fruit in their life. God hadn't called me to be a judge, but he has called us to be fruit inspectors. And there's some people that doesn't even show that they have any part of Christ in their lives. And it's usually, sadly, people that attend church. But today, so many have become complacent. And all of us make time to do what we want. You see, Jesus can make a way when there ain't no way. And like that song said, there ain't no sinner that he can't save. That's what I want to tell you about my Jesus. But let me ask you, will you be intentional in sharing Christ? Will you be accountable? Will you be mature as a disciple maker? Now, this is what I want to do today. Everybody in here, if you have one of these, still got some down here on the front pew. Some of you have not even taken this. We've got books. We've got everything out there. This is what I want you to do if you haven't done so. Write the name of your one, your two, your three, or whatever. You can just write the first name. That's what I did. And I want you to take it, and I want you to tear it, just like this right here. And you keep the other part with their name on it where you can pray for them, whatever you need to do. In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask everybody to start coming forward right here and just lay these names on altar, these cards, just like this right here. All I'm going to do, we're not going to sing. I'm just going to ask Robin to play. And I want to tell you, if you'll be faithful in doing this, and especially praying over that name or names, you're going to see God do something amazing. Because whether you are a verbal witness or you're just praying or if you're just inviting, God will do something. But I want to tell all of you right now, this thing about sharing Jesus is very serious. Now, some of you, you hear this word, you hear this cliche I talk about all the time. You've heard me say it a thousand times. The greatest miracle that takes place is you can walk in here on a Sunday and be lost. Lost means on your way to hell forever. But you hear the gospel. Someone's praying for you. You get convicted. You ask Jesus to come in your life as your Lord and Savior. And you walk out of here to live in heaven forever. 
Is there anything any greater than that? I don't think so. Actually, I know so. So in a moment, I'm going to ask us all to do this very thing. Father God, this morning, would you just break our hearts for being so passive, for being so complacent, and not sharing you with others? God, it may be that some of us can't share because, God, we haven't lived a life that even looked like a Christian. But God, we have people that are watching on live stream. We got people watching on TV. And because God, some can't be here. I understand that. But God, even your word doesn't return void by going through the screen. And we thank you for that. But Lord, I would pray for every person in this place that knows you, that has a relationship with you, and they can call you Savior, that God, they would not leave this place today until they bring the name of that one here to this altar and pray over it. And God, I pray that you will give them the courage and the boldness during this month sometime to share Christ with them. So Lord, today, would you just have your way in this service and we will give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple Podcast. We hope you are encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.